It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside sources. Inside sources. Inside sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. In the wake of the tragedy in Buffalo, New York, President Joe Biden and the First Lady Jill Biden went to Buffalo today to give condolences to act in that role as consoler in chief and interestingly it was really a tale of two speeches for president biden today uh, the speech was clearly divided into two distinct speeches so the question then beyond the headlines is did president biden unite or divide with a speech that was cut in two let's begin think you know the news of the day think again We've talked a lot about President Joe Biden as consoler in chief, as someone who understands tragedy, someone who has experienced personal loss, uh, both with the loss of his first wife and uh, also with his son, Bo, uh, dying of cancer. And he he does have a great capacity, has great compassion and understanding uh, for those who experience that sudden loss of a loved one. And I thought the first part of the president's speech today was simply that it was right on point. Uh, it was forcefully and powerfully and emotionally delivered. And then the speech was really divided into two. And the second half became much more about the politics and some applause lines. And so we want to go through all of this uh, because what the president says on days like today matters to the nation. It matters to our political discourse. Uh, and more importantly, it impacts how we treat each other. And so I want to break this down. And again, whether you agree with the president's policies or disagree with them, whether you uh, are on the left or the right or anywhere in between, on days like today, it's it's not about any of that. It shouldn't be about any of that. It should be about uniting and helping and then having a conversation about what we can do together in terms of moving forward. So President Biden began with words of hope. And with his firm belief that evil in America simply will not win. In America, evil will not win, I promise you. Hate will not prevail. And white supremacy will not have the last word. President Biden also said that America's strengths come from the idea that we're all children of God. Our nation's strength has always come from the idea. It's going to sound corny, but think about it. What's the idea of our nation? We're all children of God. All life, liberty, our universal goods, gifts of God. We didn't get it from a government. We got it from because we exist. We're called upon to defend them. I thought it was really interesting from the president uh, that he went to this notion that we have life and liberty and that opportunity to pursue happiness, uh, not something that we get from government. Uh, something that we get from God. 
And interesting that President Biden uh, really echoed some of the things we talked about yesterday, uh, things that uh, President Russell M. Nelson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, shared in a worldwide devotional with uh, 18 to 30-year-olds talking about identity. Uh, And that identity, uh, as President Biden said today, that identity begins as children of God, that life and liberty are, are universal gifts from God, not from government, but from God. And so I thought that was an interesting parallel between what the president said, uh, President Joe Biden today, and what President uh, Russell M. Nelson said in his worldwide devotional for the Church of Jesus Christ over the over the weekend. And so I thought that was an interesting point for the president to uh, to dig into just a little bit. The president gave uh, stirring tributes to those who lost their lives uh, and told just some of their stories, what they loved, why they were out shopping that day. Uh, what they were likely to be doing over the weekend, from birthday parties to attending a church choir. Uh, they were all people, uh, human beings with family and extended family, loved ones and neighbors that cared about them. And I thought the president did a, a very great job uh, in terms of expressing that uh, and ensuring that there is hope that we can move forward, that lives can be rebuilt And that while that loss uh, will always sting, uh, that it won't be the last word, Uh, that hope will return, that confidence will return. And I thought the president was uh, very good in that role as uh, consoler in chief today. Uh, The president called what happened in Buffalo uh, an act of terrorism, which was also important. What happened here is simple and straightforward. Terrorism. Terrorism. Domestic terrorism. Violence inflicted in the service of hate and a vicious thirst for power. And so I think the president had it on there. I think that that was a proper description in terms of what had taken place over the weekend. Uh, And then he pivoted uh, in that same breath. He transitioned uh, into much more of a political style tone and cadence and rhythm uh, as he called out the big lie. uh, Talked about the great displacement theory. The hate that through the media and politics, the Internet, has radicalized, angry, alienated, lost, and isolated individuals into falsely believing that they will be replaced, that's the word, replaced, by the other, by people who don't look like them and who are, therefore, in a perverse ideology that they possess and being fed lesser beings. I and all of you reject the lie. I call on all Americans to reject the lie. And I condemn those who spread the lie for power, political gain, and for profit. President Biden went on to say that uh, white supremacy is a poison in this country, a poison that we simply have to eradicate. And it's been allowed to fester and grow right in front of our eyes. No more. I mean, no more. We need to say as clearly and force as we can that the ideology of white supremacy has no place in America. None. And look, failure for us to not say that, failure in saying that is going to be complicity. Silence is complicity. It's complicity. We cannot remain silent. Uh, The president then called for more specifics in terms of gun control. Look, I'm not naive. 
I know tragedy will come again. It cannot be forever overcome. It cannot be fully understood either. But there are certain things we can do. We can keep assault weapons off our streets. We've done it before. I did it when we passed the crime bill last time. And violence went down. Shootings went down. And then finally, the president uh, called for Internet regulation to make sure that uh, there is a clear stop, a clear end uh, to the radicalization of those online and domestic terrorism. You can't prevent people from being radicalized to violence. But we can address the relentless exploitation of the Internet to recruit and mobilize terrorism. We just need to have the courage to do that, to stand up. So I think uh, all in all, I think uh, in terms of where the president went uh, and what the the goals and objectives were of this trip uh, to Buffalo, I think there were some very important moments there, clearly for a community that is uh, wounded and in shock, trying to make sense of something completely senseless. And I thought the president uh, played that role well. I I think he dipped uh, a bit heavy into the political side of it all. Uh, on a day where he could have saved that. I think he could have kept that in his pocket for another day. Uh, I don't think it advanced or consoled or unified or helped those of Buffalo uh, on the back half. So, again, in my mind, it really was a uh, a tale of, of two speeches, two very different speeches uh, from President Biden. And I, I thought he was uh, marvelous on the, on the front half uh, and uh, that he uh, came up a little short on the back half. Uh, but again, important messages, important things that we're going to continue to cover and break down. Uh, stay with us on Sports Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.